Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. You know, I try to be the guy that resists technology. I try to be the guy that doesn't always succumb to the latest trends. And yet, so often I do find that I end up marching to the rest of the world's drumbeat on a lot of different issues. One of them is these neighborhood apps. Are you familiar with these? So there's an app called Citizen, which tells you, which is pretty interesting, actually, because it tells you what's going on in the area where you are, either where you're physically located, where you work, or whether you, you know, where you go to, where you live. Uh, for instance, as of, you know, 10 hours ago, near where I am now, there was a dispute reported at a FedEx office. Police are responding to a dispute at a FedEx office location. Three hours ago, report seven-tenths of a mile from where I am now, there was a report of a physical altercation. Police are responding to a physical fight involving a male and a female. It's interesting stuff. But... That's not all that I have. I also have the Ring app. Now, Ring um, is an interesting thing. It's an alarm system, just like any other alarm system, ADT or any other alarm system, that if someone tries to break into your house, you can, you know, they'll alert the police. The alarm will go off and they'll alert the police. But, and these are these are all over the place now, and you, you probably, you might have one. If you, if someone rings your doorbell, it'll pop up on your phone who it is. And depending on the settings that you have for the ring cameras that you have, and we have a couple, because, you know, there were disgruntled people showing up at my house to protest the things I was saying on the radio, which is exactly what you want when you have, when you're working at night and you have a wife and small child at home. So I had a ring camera installed so I could see who's coming in front of my house. And the other thing that it does is there's a community feed, a community feed which can be great. 
for instance, um, there's a community feed. I'm looking at what's going on in my neighborhood now. My cat, Inferno, is lost. It shows a picture of the cat, and it says, please, if someone has seen my cat, Inferno, or took her, please bring her back. She was uh, last seen last night at 8 p.m., and it shows you the area that she was last seen. And this person, this cat was actually found. It shows resolved. Another thing, drunk neighbors don't know where they live, unreal. And it's video footage from someone's ring camera of someone walking around drunk. Let me make sure this is not me. No, not me. Then another thing, um, does anyone else hear music or something like that going on in the blank neighborhood? Another thing, missing male cat. So basically, these apps have taken the neighborhood watch to a whole new level. In the old days of the neighborhood watch, the way it would work is you'd have a couple of volunteers, almost like the guardian angels, who would maybe sit outside, maybe walk around, maybe drive around, and they'd keep an eye on anything suspicious. And if they saw anything suspicious, at least amounting to potentially criminal, maybe they'd have walkie-talkies to... Um, reach the other neighborhood watch people, or if it was something like a crime in progress or looked like there might be a crime in progress, these neighborhood watch people would call the police and report on it. And it's a great system. Now, what these apps have done is they've essentially made everybody into a member of the neighborhood watch and even more people voyeurs of this system. There's another one that's very popular for different different neighborhoods, it's called Next Door. And I'm going to pull up the updates that I've been getting from Next Door. And these are actually from my old apartment, not where I live now, but it's, you know, not far. The National Weather Service has issued a winter storm watch on February 12th. Good to know. Good to know. Now, you could also just listen to the radio, and we would tell you about that, but... If someone doesn't have a radio and they have this next door app, so be it. Um, this person stole a package from my porch. They may be dangerous, and they have their picture. So I think now we have to ask whose side is. Uh, actually, this one's cut off. I can't see. I can't see them all. Dear friends, be vigilant and always lock your car doors at all times. And it's an image of someone trying to open a car door. At least that's how it seems. What's going on at Mike's Diner, Forest and Richmond Avenues? Three cop cars, tons of activity. Uh, All sorts of things like this. And people check them. So there was a really interesting op-ed in the Washington Post by Rick Riley, who's a contributing columnist for the Washington Post. And I didn't necessarily agree with everything that he said, but I did find his broader point Interesting. Headline of his piece was, Next Door has gotten way out of hand. And then the column reads, Are you bummed you weren't around when the Stasi ruled? Do you wish you could have been one of Mao Zedong's millions of neighborhood snitches? Maybe watch the Red, dro- red Guards drag off your least favorite aunt? Not to worry, the bad old days are back thanks to NextDoor.com. 
on Nextdoor, and it's not just Nextdoor, it's all these apps that I just mentioned, and I'm sure there's a hundred others that I don't even know about. On Nextdoor, all you have to do is sign up, log in, and start profiling everyone on your block. Teenager in a hoodie walking on your street, lock your doors. Black guy with a black with a backpack standing on the corner, call the cops. Just last week on Nextdoor, someone in the Hamptons posted a front door video of a teenage girl and wrote, does anyone recognize this young woman? Well, turns out her mother did. She is selling cookies to raise money to go on a high school trip. Shame on you. Not everyone is a thief or a bad person. That's what the mom wrote. And you never know it on Nextdoor. And if you look at the updates on Nextdoor, you really do have this situation where these aspiring vigilantes gather to start whispering campaigns about people. And a lot of times you see the video of the folks that they put or the photos, and the folks aren't doing anything wrong. And they'll put it up there with the caption, oh, suspicious activity. Does anyone know this man? I remember one time, you know, one of the things you have to do in the area in New York and in a lot of other places around the country, when you run for office, you have to collect signatures. So if you're involved in politics, everyone's got to go out and collect signatures. So one time this uh, friend of mine who was working for, you know, a local state senator, he was caught on this ring camera ringing the doorbell, and they post this video of him. Does anybody know this suspicious man? He was going to all of the houses. Now, he was just trying to get people's signature to get Senator so-and-so on the ballot. Yet, these apps have become an opportunity for people that are paranoid to showcase everything that they think is suspicious and, and this is what I'm concerned about, it's created a situation where people think there's much more suspicious activity going on in their neighborhoods than there's actually are. There's a next door user criticizing the paltry size of some of the Halloween candy being handed out. So, again, I think it's great. If you've lost an animal or, God forbid, lost a child, it's wonderful that you are able to get information out to your neighborhoods quickly. But when you get revved up by your neighbors and you become more likely to call 911 or to take action, uh, like we saw with, you know, the Trayvon Martin situation, for instance— you really do have to worry that maybe this has gotten a little bit out of control. So I thought it was an interesting piece, and I'm curious if you've observed this going on in your neighborhood and the prevalence of these apps. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Here's Sarah Fryer, the CEO of Nextdoor. And talk about what the company is really hoping to do here. Addressing themes of loneliness, whether it's addressing themes of things like cost of living. How do you help people make money in their community? Things like crisis response. In a moment of a true big crisis, we all lived it with COVID. 
A woman here uh, is talking about next door and how she can find, she finds it helpful, but some of the things that she keeps an eye on. It's great to communicate with your neighbors to say, hey, there's a garage sale coming up. Hey, we've heard that there's a rash of break-ins occurring. But again, don't put very detailed personal information out there that could compromise your safety. So I, um, I use these apps. You know, I, I want to know if there's a lunatic on the loose with a machete. Right. But uh, or, you know, if there's a lost dog and I come across this dog, I'd like to know who it is. I just am concerned for some of the same reasons that this uh, Rick Riley is that we are creating a whole generation of tattletales and worry warts. What do you think? 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. You know, Wednesday is Valentine's Day, and I'm trying to think of something really creative to um, to get my wife. You know, I mean, look, you could always do flowers. Um, you could always do candy. But I'd love to get something thoughtful and creative that, you know, um, shows some and takes some, some effort and thought. And I'm trying to figure out what to do. She got me this book a few years ago called 642 Things uh, You Know I Love About You. And basically, it's 642 different prompts for you know, different things that you know uh, she finds po- to be a positive. And it's really nice because I look back at that still years later and think, oh, you know, it's very nice. And especially when she's yelling at me for something, I could look back at this and it brings back some fond memories. So I was thinking about getting something like that, but I was wondering, I felt that might be too derivative of, um, you know, of what she did a few years ago. I'd love to come up with something a little different, a little more original. So if you have a thought, feel free to give a call on that or email me privately. And, you know, uh, emails frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. Matt, you're you're probably not the right person to ask, but you're here. What are you doing for your significant other for uh, Valentine's Day? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. We don't do anything for each not other. Not even anymore. flowers or anything. No, we used to do that. I've been together almost twenty years now. We're kind of past all that. I'll, I mean, I will be home that night, so maybe we'll have dinner together. I guess. Oh, that's right. Are you off the rest of the week? Well, I'll be here tomorrow. Are you here tomorrow? I'll okay. And, and are you uh, are you doing something or are you just taking some time off? I'm having a medical procedure. Oh, okay. You don't but you don't want to say what it is. I will say what it is because Is I it think... it's got to be dental related given <laughs> No, no, no. It is uh my first colonoscopy. Oh, okay. Which well, is very important for people to get. Absolutely. Which is why I have no problem saying what it is. So I will be out. I'll be here tomorrow and then out the rest of the week. Okay. So I will be around Valentine's Day. I won't be able to eat anything cuz my colonoscopy is the next day, and you can't eat anything. Tony, what's your deal? Do you have a significant other? No, not the time being. Oh, well, so that could be you have certainly quite a savings of effort and money when yes, it comes to Valentine's Day. Yes, it'll be me, myself, and I on the 14th. So, so be it. 800-848-9222. Uh, Michael is on Long Island. What's on your mind, Michael? My, me? What? Frank? Yes. Uh, I heard. Can you imagine Justice the people that didn't Ventura's get through? son talking about a political ad for the Kennedy kid. Yes. Forget him. Go with Henry Cabbage Lodge the third. I used to caddy for him at Deepdale Golf Course. 
He's the man. Is he running? No. His wife won't let him. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with. <laughs> I mean, obviously, what he told me. I'm. I'm. Fam- huh? I'm familiar with Henry Cabot Lodge. Uh, I am unfamiliar with uh, anything about Henry Cabot Lodge III, but I'm happy to look into him. Michael, thank you for calling. I appreciate it. 800-848-9222. Joe is in the Queens. Hello, Joe. Yeah, two things, Frank. Uh, On what you're discussing now on, like, the surveillance locally, uh, I'd recommend a book I'm halfway through, the audio book from an NYU professor, Meredith, that just came out. It's called More Than a Glitch. Get the audio book. You might want to interview her because it just came out. More Than well, a Glitch. More, more Than a Glitch, yeah. NYU professor. She went to Harvard. Uh, and also, great interview with Ty. I was really impressed with his presence. Uh, what you guys were saying about the Senate uh, dropping all these weapons into the Ukraine and in the Middle East. Ultimately, you have no idea what the affiliation of these people are. It's, it's, uh, they could come right back with those same weapons and come right back up to Washington, D.C., over the border and hit these fat cats with the same weapons that, that you sent them. They're like pirates. You don't know who they're affiliated with in these countries like the Ukraine. It's not really even a country. Well, look, I, I mean, thank you, Joe. You know, obviously, if it's your country, you view it very differently. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that, that it's not really a country. They certainly have their problems. But uh, are their problems going to be solved with $60 billion more in borrowed American money? I I would argue not, that they won't. Uh, Robert is in Suffolk. What's on your mind, Robert? Hi, Frank. Uh, possible gift for Rachel, a uh, portable transistor radio, if she doesn't have one? We have portable transistor radios, I'm not joking here, in every single room in our house. Every single room. Uh, all right. Well, it was a thought. And including well, about those apps. What would you say? Yeah, okay. About those apps you have mentioned. Right, these, uh, neighbor, course, these neighborhood spying apps, yes. Yeah, well, neighborhood watch type apps, we'll call it. Um are some of those tagging people with AI to like determine their motivation or why they're there? No, no. you basically, I mean, it's basically an electronic bathroom wall. You know, like uh, you ever see graffiti in a bathroom wall? Hey, uh, Frank Morano's a real jerk. He eats his boogers. Basically, that's what this is. You're just totally ah, relying ah. upon people to write whatever they want about their neighbors and so forth. Oh boy, this, this could get out of control. Yeah. I, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it really, it really could. I mean the the word. Thanks, Robert, for the call. I mean the, the scary thing is if somebody reports somebody as doing something d- criminal or dangerous when they're not, they're doing something innocuous, and then someone might have a gun and shoot them. I mean that's what. I mean, that's not a crazy scenario. You know, you saw that situation in upstate New York recently where the guy was convicted somebody pulled into his driveway by mistake and he shot them he shot them i mean if you create a situation where there's somebody that's not doing anything wrong and you report that they are and somebody thinks they have a right to be frightened you never know what's going to happen i think it's very 
potentially very frightening. Hey, I also wanted to comment on, uh, and we, we got Noam Laden here. We'll go through the news with him in just a moment. I wanted to comment on the situation involving these Marines who passed away in this uh, helicopter crash. This is a, a very sad situation. I'm sure by now you've seen it. These five U.S. Marines aboard a helicopter that went missing on a trip from Nevada to California, they were confirmed dead on Thursday. And first responders found the CH-53E Super Stallion helicopter following hours of searching on Wednesday, but they didn't find the crew until Thursday morning. And a lot of the family members, this was an accident, but a lot of the family members of these five Marines have stated that they were upset that this helicopter was flying in these kind of weather conditions. And a lot of folks are saying that uh, basically there's no excuse for this, that they should never have been in these kind of storm-like conditions flying around, and they actually blame the military for causing the loss of uh, of their loved ones. It's a, a sad situation, certainly. And, uh, you know, my heart goes out to their families. I'm looking at all, all five of their pictures and, you know, their names and their ages. Lance Corporal Donovan Davis, 21 years old. Sergeant Alec Langan, 23 years old. Captain Benjamin Malton, 27 years old. Captain Jack Casey, 26 years old. Captain Miguel Nava, 28 years old. And you just think these are five people that had their their whole lives ahead of them. And we don't know what caused the crash, right? So maybe if the weather was perfect, the same thing would have occurred. But for if there's a possibility that weather could have been a factor here, I mean, I can't imagine what that would be like to be one of the family members of of one of these folks. Here is uh, Karen Langan, the mother of Sergeant Alec Langan. We are so thankful for the San Diego responders that went up there and searched for him and found that crew because without them, we wouldn't be able to be coming home. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. You talk about something that tugs on your heartstrings. That That is it. Um, I'll read you one of the quotes from one of the other family members here. Um, well, actually, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to misquote them, but the, all the articles that I saw were very critical of the fact that this helicopter was out there in this kind of weather. So hopefully, maybe this is a learning experience for the future. But yeah, okay, one, I, I thought this was what they said. New, according to the New York Post, one of the family members called these unnecessary military deaths and said they should wake the F up. Um, Stephen Langan, the father of Sergeant Alec Langan, we just played you his mother, tells the New York Post that his son's death is a recent case of what's become an all-too-familiar story in the military community. Maybe this is the one instance to where they wake the F up and they say, what are we doing to our service members? We've got to stop this. And, I mean, you have the situation where the 
area where the airbase was was pounded with unprecedented rainfall and snowfall that made these flight conditions very treacherous and unstable. Uh, Bradford Malton, the uncle of one of the other victims, questioned why his nephew and his fellow Marines were in the air during a thousand-year storm. So, look, I don't blame them for being upset here, and I suppose we'll learn more about the circumstances of this crash as it goes forward. 800-848-9222. Rocco is in Saratoga. Hey, uh, you know, Rocco, Lisa in Connecticut reached out to me with uh, her resume. She wants to work for you. Do you do you have an email we can forward her resume oh, to? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Right, uh, so you we'll, want me to give it to you well, on no, air no, no, or no, I'll we'll, give it to we'll, Matt? Yeah, give it to Matt yeah. and then we'll, we'll get it okay. to the proper channels. Okay, no problem. No problem. Definitely. We'll do that, Frank. Absolutely, positively. Uh, you know, I have Ring. Uh, it's useful because my ex-wife, she has it hooked up to her app, and she'll tell me when Amazon made a delivery. I guess she's watching. Oh, it notifies her when someone comes up to the door, right? So she uh, says, yep, you got packages, you know, which is good. It, that's helpful, you know, because Amazon doesn't ring your bell. They just dump the packages right. out there, and you get a lot of these packages, and boom, they're there. It's raining, it's snowing, whatever. They're going to get all wet and soaked. So that's helpful. But also the other thing she does is when, okay, let's say a a woman comes to my door unsolicited. Uh, Let's just say a friend and she rings the bell. My wife is, uh, who was that? Who was at your door? That well, who is that? Why is it your business? I mean, come on. But Rocco, now, Rocco, you know, I mean, aren't you asking for your tr- for trouble by having your ex-wife has access to who's coming into your house? I mean, if she, I if I had an ex-wife, she's the last person that I would ever want knowing who's visiting me. She told me she took the app off her phone. Okay, because I said, hey, stop, because my neighbor next door, Greg, and I said, you know, your wife's listening to everything we're talking about out here. I said, I don't care. We're not saying anything special. And so I taped it up. I put tape over the camera so she couldn't see. But eventually I removed it after a while because she said she took the app off her phone. So I said, okay, took it off the phone. Then I come to find she didn't take it off the phone because she d- discussed something that Greg and I were talking about. I said, how did you know that? Uh, and she didn't have an answer, obviously. You know, she was listening in. So I knew she didn't take the app off. So what am I supposed to do, Frank? I want the ring. I need the ring. You know, Amazon comes, packages, okay? I don't want to leave them. I live in a great neighborhood. No one's going to take them, but I get a lot of packages. I don't want them to sit out there in the rain, the snow, or the sleet, right? I want to bring them in. No one's going to take them in my neighborhood. It's like a private neighborhood. And our neighbors, no, no one would. But I need it, but yet I have my ex-wife. I get it. Uh, Yeah, well, first of all, I think you're asking for trouble there, Rocco. you got to do something about that. But, uh, yeah, I I get it. Uh, Let me squeeze in one more call here, and then we have Gnome Layden waiting in the wings. Pamela is in New Jersey. Hi, Pamela. Yeah, uh, especially the next door, and especially with what's happened with Rocco. I think we have the making of uh, a Twilight Zone episode, like the bomb shelter, Ah! where the neighbors all get paranoid on each other. That is a perfect 
perfect analysis. I am a huge Twilight Zone fan. I know exactly what episode you're talking about, and I'm embarrassed I didn't think of that themselves. If people don't know what Pamela's talking about, there's this wonderful episode where essentially all the neighbors um, work themselves into a frenzy thinking that uh, basically somebody is an alien. And then there's another episode, a similar episode, where they think that uh, Armageddon is imminent and they were all fighting with one another, trying to get into the one bomb shelter in the neighborhood. And it creates, needless to say, a lot of hard feelings. Well, uh, you know, well done, Pamela, as, as always. Thank you. All right, Noam Layden is here. We're going to get his take on what's in the news straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. It's the great Lenny Kravitz here on the other side of midnight. Well, every morning right around this time, we are treated to a man with a nose for news. And boy, oh boy, does he have a lot of interesting headlines for us to review this morning. Stand by for the other side of midnight's news. Side of Midnight and its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. Hey there, Noam. Good morning, Frank. How many times have you heard stories of a long-standing married couple where one spouse passes away and then weeks later uh, the other spouse All the time. dies? All the time. How about if you plotted it out to happen that way ahead of time? How would you feel about that? Well, what do you mean? So a former Dutch prime minister, Dries van Ach. Uh, Remember yes. Dries van Ach? Yes, I do. He was quite the prime minister of um, of Dutchland. Right, and quite <laughs> Dutch. <laughs> right, <laughs> Dutchland. It was Netherlands, the Netherlands. Yeah, it was yeah. the Netherlands, yeah. So he was the prime minister in from 1977 to 1982, 
And last week, he made a deal, or at least in the last couple of weeks, made a deal with his wife. They're both 93 years old to pass away at the same time. Now, it's legal to do so in the Netherlands. And sure enough, uh, as of last Monday, they were in bed together holding hands and they passed away together. They had gone through the process that you have to do in the Netherlands where you meet with a doctor. Uh, You have to be able to be right of mind to make that decision. They made that decision that they'd had all these medical issues. He had had a stroke. She had had some medical issues along the way. And they both passed away peacefully in their bed last week. And it was a surprise, of course, to his fellow countrymen who didn't know that he was planning to do this. Oh, not a surprise to the family. He let the family members know ahead of time what he was doing. And apparently this has become a bigger thing over the last couple years in the Netherlands. There is an increase in the number of couples that are making these plans to pass away together. Hmm. Uh, The numbers have gone up each year since they started doing this. uh, And last year... About uh, 5.1% of the people who took their own lives did so with a spouse, which I thought to be an incredibly high number. Absolutely. That you can get your husband and wife to agree on anything, right? right I mean, you know you've been married for a little while now. to die, yes. Yes, and to make that decision to die, no matter, I understand, sometimes people are really sick, and in this case, they were, and they felt like, hey, we've lived great lives uh, he was very involved in all kinds of political things after he left office. Uh, she had her own life as well. But they had reached a point where they said we're not willing to go on with the quality of life that we have. But fascinating to me that you get the husband and wife or anybody. It doesn't matter. how It doesn't have to be husband and wife. Anybody to agree on anything, especially about taking their own lives. And the fact that that number continues to go up each year in the Netherlands is fascinating to me. Well, I mean, I, I guess I understand the romance of it. I, I just wonder if some people are jumping the gun. I, I can absolutely understand the desire for physician-assisted suicide for someone that's suffering from a degenerative terminal illness. I, I just wonder how common that is for couples to have that together. So I'm wondering if some people are maybe uh, killing themselves before... I would be okay with them killing themselves. Yeah. I, it's hard to imagine, God, let me knock on some wood somewhere, come at a point in my life where I'd be willing to do that. And, of course, it's always been very controversial here. There are some states that allowed physician-assisted suicide, but you have to jump through a lot of hoops to make that happen. Now, I, I know a lot of husbands that would have no problem volunteering their wife for this, <laughs> right. but they're not willing to do it at the same no. time. They'll do the, oh, yeah, honey, we'll do it together. Right. Yeah, you go first. Right. Well, that's right, right. That's fascinating just in itself in that moment. Where you off, you know, you've made this decision and you're doing it at the same time. I mean, one person obviously must pass away before the other. That doesn't happen at the exact same time. I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. And at some level, a little gruesome as well. Yep. Something much a whole lot lighter. Charlotte the Stingray. Have you heard about Charlotte yes. the Stingray? Oh, you did. Yeah, but I, but I didn't. Oh, talk you didn't about do this story. Yeah, okay, tell good. me about it. So Charlotte the Stingray is in an aquarium in North Carolina, and she's about to give birth. In fact. It was supposed to happen over the weekend. I checked. It did not. The thing that's so odd, you're saying, oh, but big deal. All right, Charlotte, the stingray is going to have pups. Who cares? Well, there is no male stingray in this aquarium. So they can't figure out exactly how she got pregnant. And there is uh, two possible explanations. 
One is a process of what's called parthenogenesis, which is where you can self-pregnate and pregnate yourself. I'm not exactly sure 100 percent. I'm not a biologist how this works, but apparently it's very rare. Sometimes it does happen where you have stingrays are able to somehow impregnate themselves and have these pops. But they say that almost never happens. I mean, it's a rarity. So now they think these two sharks that they put into the aquarium over the summer, that one of them impregnated the stingray. Whoa. Yeah. And uh, the reason they believe that's probably what happened here is this stingray has bite marks on it. Charlotte has bite marks, and that's what happens a lot of times during the mating season. The sharks will nip at the person that they're trying to impregnate. And so she has bite marks, and so they think these will be shark stingray pups, which they don't think, at least in captivity, has ever happened before. So everybody's waiting to see what happens because they'll test the DNA once these pups come out. Uh, They've been doing ultrasounds, and they see that everything seems to be healthy, but they can't tell a whole lot more from the ultrasounds. Again, the pregnancy was supposed to happen because the period of labor for uh, stingrays is about three or four months usually. And so we're at that point already. Um, That would be crazy. The first documented instance of a shark-stingray hybrid. Yeah. So as soon— As we hear about this, we will break into whatever you're doing, if it happens during your show, and we'll let you know what happens. I I would be disappointed uh, otherwise. The... um or this could be an asexual reproduction. There you go. I don't. One of the two. Yes, that you say it much better. That I probably should have said that asexual no. reproduction. Well, I yeah. mean, I just was not even going to try my hand at parthenogenesis <laughs> or whatever you were saying. Oh, you said it nicely. Yeah. But uh, but uh, it's uh, it's really astounding either way. Are you? Do you know anybody that's your wife's not a vegan? Is she? No, okay. she um she doesn't. She, neither of us are that big on meat, but. Uh, but uh, no, we both eat cheese. I, I eat a lot of fish. Yeah. Vegan restaurants are struggling. Apparently. Depends on where you are. New York City has a few. But apparently it's not easy to keep it going. So in the UK, there's a place called the Nomas Gastro Bar. It is a vegan restaurant. And they've added something really unexpected to their menu. What do you think that might be? Meat? Yes. <laughs> Lab grown meat? Well, it is. It's it's uh, responsibly sourced meat is the way they like to call it. They've also added responsibly sourced dairy options, and so the owner of this place uh, says that uh, business has just not been that great, and he knows he may offend some of the people who normally come to his restaurant because they don't want to be sitting next to somebody that's eating a steak. But he's willing to take those chances. So at the Nomos Gastro Bar in the UK, if you sit down, you'll have all these vegan options. But also, if someone at your table is like, you know, I just want to have steak, a burger, whatever it may be, I want to have something yogurt, um, something dairy based, I can do that. And so he's promised that he has this thoughtfully curated selection of high-quality, responsibly sourced meat and dairy options. And so he realizes it's a, it's a culinary pivot that's huge because they call themselves a vegan restaurant. But he says he's talked to other people. But there's an association of vegan restaurant owners in the U.K. They're all having the same problem. They're ha- having a hard time keeping the doors open. He says, hey, this is one option that may keep my door open. Well, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, uh, if you are a restaurant and you want to attract a, a, a wide variety of eaters, 
Why not offer a wide variety of food as long as you're not using the same kind of pans and things like that, which it doesn't sound like this gentleman is, to cook the steak as you are the uh, cauliflower steak? Why not? You, clearly, you don't know any vegans. Because <laughs> vegans are just incredibly offended by the fact that someone near them would be eating a steak. They, Of course, the minute you tell them, that you meet them, the first thing they tell you is that they're a vegan usually, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, <laughs> so I, I can't imagine these people would want to sit in a restaurant next to somebody, especially as a vegan restaurant, that's eating a steak. I don't I don't see this flying, but that's just me. I, you know, I'm a big believer. Order what you want to order. That's it. Right. And, you know, if the more options. I mean, it's the same thing that it, even if it, you're taking away the vegan option – you know, if you're whatever food issue you have, gluten free, uh, pescatarian, anything or um, anything else, it, it's really frustrating to bring someone to a restaurant that you might really like and then they don't have anything they can order. Right. I, more options, the better. It's become really tough to go out to dinner with people because everybody does have some sort of crazy dietary thing that they yeah, have. That's for sure. That is for sure. Yeah. You want one more? Yeah, why not? This has become huge among 40-something-year-old uh, women. They're doing magic mushrooms. Have you heard about this? Yes, I have. I, I've not, uh, not being a 40-something-year-old woman, I have not done them, but I have friends that have. Microdosing has just become huge. And what's so fascinating about this is it's become huge among middle-aged women. And so this is, don't think magic mushrooms of some of your youth where you hallucinated and you got really high you didn't, and the walls were talking to you. I just heard from, from other experiences. Yeah, of course. But micro, this is microdosing where you're taking like a tenth of a mushroom. And what apparently it does is it kind of evens you out. It lowers your stress level. These are women a lot of times who are doing, handling a lot of things. They're raising a family. Sure. They're working nine to five. They're getting their kids to soccer and baseball practice. And a glass of wine is just not going to do it for them. Uh, marijuana doesn't work. And so this microdosing has become huge. It is illegal, by the way, these magic mushrooms in almost every single state across the country. So the fact that these women are getting these their hands on them uh, is interesting in itself. But if you go to uh, any vegetable market or um, those weekend markets, you know, uh, the what do they call those markets? The weekend markets where they sell all kinds of fun, healthy things yeah, for like you. Yeah, I know exactly what you yeah. mean. So you go to those and they're selling. Farmer's market. Thank you. Yeah. Farmer's market. At farmer's markets, almost any farmer's market you walk to, uh, now, at least on the East Coast or on the West Coast, you will find a stand that is selling these micro-dosed mushrooms. Wow. And so everybody's trying to figure out if this is a bad thing. Uh, for the most part, people are saying no. And you have these doctors who are essentially prescribing it to their patients who have major stresses in their life. Say, hey, this is what I would do. They tell them exactly which mushroom to microdose, where you can go find it. Uh, They're not expensive. And the population of people who are willing to admit that their microdosing is growing by the day. So the, the primary benefit is diminished anxiety? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I, um... I, again, like I said, I've I had friends that have uh, that have told me that they've tried this, but I had no idea that it was so prevalent. Yeah, especially again among women in their forties, early fifties, huge, huge. What did you do for the game last night? I had a little mini party at the house. You uh, stay up for the whole game? I did. Uh, you know, now I'm feeling it, but yes, I did stay up for the whole game. It was a great game. It really was. It really was. All right, uh, thank you, Noam Layden. Sure. And now you know the rest of the story. All right, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame in just a bit. 800-848-9222 if you want to start queuing up. 
You know, a bunch of people. Uh, first of all, I want to thank our friends uh, in our neighborhood, Rich and Danielle, that uh, invited us over to watch the game. You know, and they were really good sports. You know, they, you know, we're very, very close friends. Um, and uh, Danielle was the person that was bitter that she didn't get picked as listener of the week last week. But you know, it's tough. It's dog eat dog world out there, and you know, you got to give Donna her due. And so uh, they had invited us over. Unbeknownst to me, my wife had already said she was going to go with Carmine over to our neighbor across the street, Tara. And, you know, that's fine. I, I would either go or maybe I would stay home and watch the game and maybe do some biking or just do some work. Or if it was not an interesting game, which this turned out to be, I would take a nap during the game. Then yesterday we get the word from the neighbor across the street, day of. I mean, and it wasn't really like a party. It was very informal. We get the word from the neighbor across the street, you know, uh, you know, the boys are not feeling too well. They're actually sleeping. I don't even know what the deal is. I'm pretty tired. And basically it was a canceled invitation day of. So we had already declined the invite from Rich and Danielle. But my wife then responds, hey, you know, our plans opened up last minute if you still want to, you know, do something. So they... Still had us over last minute, anticipating having nobody, and were very, very good hosts. Uh, Valentine, their son, is the same age as Carmine, so they had a good time playing, and uh, and uh, Rich put together a fabulous, fabulous meal, and it was a lot of fun. You know, one of the things that I was wondering if anybody else noticed, and I wasn't going to say anything because if nobody else noticed, I was just going to wait until I was on the radio to talk about it in my very passive-aggressive manner is it was so hot in there. I don't know if the heat was on or if it was hot because Rich was cooking or what the story was, but it was so hot. Same as my brother's on Friday. That was really hot. But anyway, then about, you know, right before the, uh, right around halftime, Danielle, or Rich says to his wife, Danielle, hey, did you turn on the air conditioning? Danielle says, yes. It was, it's uh, whatever she said. It's John Blazin in here. It's it's really odd. So thank you to her especially for bringing a little bit of coolness to a very, very Mars-like atmosphere. So uh, thank you to them. A lot of people have been asking me about this uh, situation involving John Gotti Jr.'s wife and daughter. I really don't have much to say about it, uh, so I'm not going to say much. But if you haven't heard about it, There was a situation where John Gotti Jr.'s wife, Kimberly, and his daughter, Gianna, were arrested in what they say was an assault at a high school basketball game. Well, I have investigated this. First of all, I know Kim, and Kim is the kindest, most gentle, docile person in the world that does not have that uh, infamous Gotti temper at all. And so it looks like they got to an altercation with another person who was heckling them and who threw the first punch. And then it looks like, you know, Kim and her daughter responded. And then they didn't want to press charges, meaning the Gaudis didn't want to press charges against this other couple because apparently that's not the kind of thing they do. And because they didn't want to press charges, the other other woman did press charges. I will tell you this, though, to that woman that uh, went after Kim Gotti, 
You have no idea how lucky you are that you went after her instead of her mother-in-law, Victoria, Victoria Sr., uh, the widow of the original John Gotti, because I can promise you whatever Kim did, Victoria Sr. would have uh, really reacted in a much more vociferous manner. But, you know, obviously I wasn't there. I can't speak to it firsthand. But uh, knowing what I know of Kim, she's not the type to engage in fights or start fights, even though that's how a lot of the press has uh, characterized it. So that's pretty much it. I'm only mentioning it because a lot of people emailed me about it. All right. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. 15 seconds of fame. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. Telephone sanitizers, uh, an instant classic, if ever there was one. The other side of midnight. Let me hear from you for 15 seconds. The other side of midnight. This is 15 seconds of fame. Neil. Frank, uh, I was taking that Viagra to treat my Alzheimer's, and I went for a cleaning, and the hygienist was looking at me funny. Larry. Frank, it's easy. The stingray was impregnated by the same method that thousands of kids get through college today. Osmosis. Mike. Morning, Frank. Robert Herr is the child amongst us who finally said what we've all been thinking. The emperor has no clothes. And it's winter in Washington. At least put a coat on or there will be shrinkage. Rick. Frank, in your opinion... Who has had more brain injuries in their lifetime, the NFL or Curtis Lewa? Jimmy. Legends Diner in Secaucus, New Jersey, New Jersey's best old-fashioned thin diner. Black and white photos of Hollywood legends with the best uh, meals and best portions. And finally, Lisa. And did you know that the first electronic musician was part of this whole uh, Super Bowl. So Tiesto was supposed to be there, but he had a family emergency, so he pulled out, and Cascade was there. And he's really, really excited to represent our electronic music community. Thank you, Lisa. That slams the lid on things for today. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. Frank Morano, good day. <laughs>